Here we go. I'm going to try to be good here today. Uh, yeah. Y'all are so mean. But I, I believe this, that, that there's so much good in the Word. And if, if you're not reading it, I really want to encourage you, read your Bible. But read it like it's alive. Because it is. Read it like there's something for you today that was written just for you. Read it like God is speaking to you because He is. It's His Word. And, and I, I just I say that because I'm going to read you two verses today that just I've, I'm reading in Luke. If you haven't noticed, I've been preaching out of Luke. And the Lord won't let me move to the next Gospel, so I'm just keep rereading Luke. And, um, and then I've been reading just in my, my daily reading. I was in the prison epistles, which thank you, Jesus. I love them so much. And, and uh, I was in Colossians, and I read a verse, and it just it, it sparked something in me. Because I, I want to tell you that sometimes how God speak to, speaks to us is not a burning bush. Because sometimes I, people hear me say, oh, I said like, well, God was talking to me. And they're like, oh, it was like a burning bush. No, it was like the Bible, but it was totally alive. And he was speaking to me through that. I knew when I read it, I was like, oh, and I mean, the verse I'm going to read you in Colossians, I mean, I'm like read that like a million times. I felt like, but when I read it, it was like, whoa, it jumped off the page at me. And it was already highlighted and underlined, you know? And so I, what I'm saying is God wants us to be in such relationship that he can even take what looks like a book to the world and make it fully alive to you. And, and if you don't know where to start, let me just give you a quick hint. Jump into the Psalms. Jump into John. Just start reading. Say, well, it's boring. I don't know what it's talking about. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He wrote it. I mean, if you want to know what a book means, it's nothing better than to ask the author, right? And so I just, I say all that because sometimes I think when I say like God spoke to me, everybody thinks like I got angels like walking around all the time and stuff. No, I'm like in the word and it's coming alive. But yeah, sometimes there are angels and sometimes it is his voice out loud, you know, but I learned that from being in the word because when you know his language, then it's easy to hear his voice. So. I want to talk to you for a minute. Last week I felt so just inspired by the Holy Spirit about the idea of coming to His table. To be at His table. What's it look like to be at His table? Like we're all invited. You know, and we talked about moving from the kids' table to the adult table, right? And everyone who grew up in, in America and understood that philosophy is like, you're going from the card table to the big table, right? And, and we're there. And then the second point was, but we got to eat when we get there. We gotta eat of the goodness of God. We gotta eat of the things of God. And I begin to think like, how do we stay there? Like, cause all of us have had moments where like we go and eat, and then we're like, okay, well, how do we, I'd like to have that forever. But how do we establish ourselves where we, we're constantly eating of the food of God? We're constantly, we're constantly taking in the kingdom. We're constantly just relishing in who God is. We're constantly at His table. Fixed on his face. And, and I, I really began to just, this week I just began to say, God, how do we get there? And he said, well, first of all, you have to be hungry. Like, it was Thanksgiving. I'm sure none of you ate too much this week. But it's interesting Thanksgiving dinner. If you had Thanksgiving lunch, the big spread, like Thanksgiving dinner, 
What's that look like? For some of you, it looks like second round, right? Like, here I come again, right? But if you're not hungry, everything that was so good a minute ago doesn't look as good. Something that you completely enjoyed four hours before, they break it. My mom used to break it out and put it all back out on the table and be like, oh. I mean, some of that could be turkey coma. Who knows? You know, like, but... But you're like, oh man, what was so awesome four minutes ago, I mean four hours ago, four minutes, yeah, doesn't look as good. Why is that? It's because you're not hungry. Now physically, that might be a good thing. Keeps us from the Thanksgiving eight, you know? If you don't know what that is, that's the Thanksgiving eight pounds. You know, like it can happen if you keep going back. You know, and, and so I... I was thinking about that, and I was like, but in the kingdom, first of all, it's always different. That's something I love about God is it's always changing. And there's one little facet, and the next thing you know, you're hungry again. Hungry for what God's doing. You know, how many times have we prayed for the Holy Spirit to come? But the minute you get with Him, I'm so hungry to be with Him again. Right, but I, I felt like the Lord told me, like it's going to take hunger to get you to learn how to live there because I want to live at the table. I don't want to visit the table. I want to live there. How do we live there? And and then I got to thinking about this phrase that Bill Johnson says, and and it, I just I, it struck me. He says that hunger and thankfulness are two sides of the same coin. Hunger and thankfulness are two sides of the same coin because. I'm going to show you that if we're hungry without thankfulness, it's dangerous. And if we're thankful without hunger, it actually causes us to be lazy and satisfied sometimes. Everybody got quiet there. It's okay. It's not, a, it's not an indictment. They're just they're made to go together. And I felt like the Lord told me hunger and thankfulness are what are going to establish you to live at the table. Because if you're thankful for what you have, if you're thankful for what's going on, you're thankful for what God's doing, you want to come back to the table again to see what's new. But if you're not grateful, then you'll just walk out in title and be like, yeah, that was my meal for the day. See, the danger with God giving daily bread is it can turn into manna for us. And we just expect it and we're entitled to it. We don't want to be like the children of Israel who were entitled to the bread. They were like, oh, no, God sends the bread every day. He said, no, I'm looking for you now in the new covenant to ask for the daily bread. Everyone see the difference? In the old covenant, God provided it and they were like entitled it. In the new covenant, he said, no, I want you to ask for the daily bread because I have something totally fresh for you and for you and for you. And as you ask for it, it will cause you to be thankful for what you've asked for. It's not, so we got, I'm telling you, we got to shrug off things like entitlement in the kingdom. Well, God's just going to give me my food. Yeah, I, I have found that's a bad philosophy in life. Starving Christians. Because they're not asking for their daily bread. And the funny thing is they're eating 20-year-old moldy bread, a lot of people. 20-year-old encounters, and they're like, well, I'm still living off that one. Why? Appreciate it and come to the table again. Oh, it's quiet. It's all good. I'm encouraged. See, I I just want to do a quick scriptural look at both Thanksgiving and and hunger, and then we're going to go to a story that they're both blended together. Okay, y'all good? Colossians 2. This is the one I got to in in my 
reading through the New Testament. We're going to do six and seven. I only gave you seven, sorry. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. So the, the key is set up in six. Hey, I want you to live in the kingdom. I want you to live in this revelation that you have. I want you to live at the table. I don't want you just to come to the table, have a salvation experience, and leave. I want you to live at the table. That's, I'm paraphrasing this verse, but that's what Paul's saying. I don't want you just to have a moment of Jesus Christ. I want you to live your life as that way. And then he says how to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Rooted and built up in Him. So first of all, we have to be rooted and built up in Jesus. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And it struck me, it's interesting how I, I said, Lord, I know about the strengthening and being rooted, but I've never thought about the idea of that thankfulness actually keeps us in Christ. It literally keeps us there. And, and God is wanting us to understand that He has done so much in our life, He's wanting us to be a people who recognize what He's done in our lives. Now, I'm just going to be super honest. Thankfulness and thanksgiving for me as a kid in the church was really hard because I saw a lot of required thankfulness that wasn't overflow. Anyone ever experienced that? Like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, do you mean that? You know, or was it just a tagline on the end of something they said? And I wanted it, I wanted it to be so genuine. But I realized the minute you get with God and begin to see who He is and see all He's done for you, the genuine thankfulness begins to flow out of you. And that's how we can be like in 1 Thessalonians when it says, hey, be, be always in thanksgiving. I mean, that sounds exhausting. Not when you're with Him because you're seeing who He is and what He's done. And you look around and I, and I, I just think about that phrase, God, look at, your, look at your goodness. Just look at my life. You don't even have to get outside of your own life to recognize the goodness of God. You begin to just see it as, oh my goodness, the goodness of God is in my life. And I'm thankful. I'm overflowing with thanksgiving. See, God's willing to teach us how to overflow. And, it, and what, it, what it begins to happen is as you get at the table and you're grateful, good things begin to well up on the inside of you. And also God is a rewarder of thankfulness. He's just a rewarder of your gratefulness. The minute we become complacent, like, oh yeah. I mean, the minute we become complacent about our salvation, God's like, come on, I need you to be thankful about that always. Every encounter you've had, oh God, thank you so much. That's why I wanted Wes and Riley to share today because I want that to flow out on you. Like, God, we're so grateful for you showing up even before we asked. And so, so that... There's so many scriptures about Thanksgiving. But it's really interesting too. I just want to throw this out there. You know that every time that Jesus was at the table, literal table, in the Gospels, He gave thanks. I thought it was interesting if there's a table in heaven and Jesus is modeling on earth. He was thanking God. And I mean, I love blessing our food. But there's something about when you literally take hands and thank God for a moment, how the presence of God. I'm thinking about a moment just a few months ago with the four of us and we were sitting there and we just thanked God for a minute and the presence of God just fell out. Why? Because he's like, I love that, that you're taking a minute to thank me at the table. 
God's wanting to build a culture in us. Now, I just want to say the danger side, because everything has a danger if you only see it as the only key to the kingdom. Right? Isn't it funny how we'll like take all that? Well, I'm good at this, but not so good at that. And God's like, no, I've made you diverse. And see, without hunger, thank, thankfulness can just be satisfied with, day, with yesterday's bread. Without hunger, then the next thing you know, you can just be like still thanking God for what He did instead of what He's doing. Why? Because the hungry people are always pushing in for more. I'm going to show you the backside to hunger in a minute. But the, 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 the balance that begins to come out of that is you, you're, you're pushing in, so you're thanking God for what He's doing, not just yesterday, but today. And when you really get into it, you're thanking Him for, for, for tomorrow. Yesterday, today, and forever. You're thanking Him for generations not yet born yet. You're, you're worshiping in eternity. You're doing things that don't make sense to you. Why? Because you've gotten into the spirit of thanksgiving. But we have to understand that hunger is going to propel you into new thanksgivings. Yeah? Why is that so important? Because listen, I don't want to be a church that's talking about two, 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 2020. Well, we won't talk about 2020. We'll probably talk about 2019. Man, 2019 was so awesome. God showed up. And it was so good. And then we look, and it's 2027. And we're still talking about 2019, and God's like, hey, 2019 was great. But what about now? I mean, I listen, I grew up in this place. It started in a move of God. We're not even as big as we were probably one of the first Sundays we ever met. Why? Because God was moving, and I heard about it. But as a kid in the 80s, I used to say, I don't want to hear about the 70s. I want to hear about what God's doing now. I want to see it now. I'd like to see some of those miracles now. I'd like to see some of those salvations now. They used to be, oh, it's so easy for people to get saved. I'm like, well, what happened? Why? Because God is the day of God is the God of today. And, he, and so hunger and, and thanksgiving. So let's just read a verse about hunger real quick. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. This is Mary talking. She's just declaring who God is. In Luke 1, 53, it says, Those who hunger for Him will always be filled. But the smug and self-satisfied, He will send away empty. And I felt like the Lord, any time I go to hunger, this is my go-to verse. Because I believe it actually, and I love what the Passion says, those that hunger for Him. See, I, I, I believe one of the most dangerous things that can happen with hunger is we become passionate and hungry for the things of God more than God Himself. For the works of God. For the miracles of God. Why? Because we, we, they're immeasurable in us. And, and what happens is in our natural things, we begin to crave things that were measurable. And there's nothing wrong with measurable until it replaces the reality. Of have, have I, am I hungry for Him? Am I pushing into Him? Am I, am I seeing Him? And it says, those who hunger for Him will be filled. We also know that in, in Matthew 5, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be filled. I'm telling you, in the Scripture, when you are properly hungering, you're always satisfied. And God is looking for a hungry people who will push in. And, and obviously, the result, I mean, the opposite of that is people that don't think they need anything. You're going to be empty. Listen, if you have empty areas of your life that feel like there's lack, get hungry. If you have areas in your life that feel like God's not showing up and like this feels like lack and I'm empty, 
I'm telling you, the key is not to complain about it. It's to lean in with hunger. Lean in there and just say, God, I'm so hungry for a breakthrough in this area. I'm so hungry for you to show up. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know what I need. Any of you ever get there? You don't know what you need? Good news. Matthew 5 also says that He knows what you need. So you don't need to know the words perfectly. You just need to lean in hungry and say, God, here I am. And He will show up and begin to show you. What's the, what's the backside of hunger without thankfulness? I think it's, it's one of the most dangerous things. Well, let, me, let me just say this before I do that. I just want to give you three examples of hunger that move God. In the Gospel of John talks about four friends that rip a roof apart and lower their friend down. They lo- what, what happened? Jesus was like, there's no way there's not being a miracle here. I'm not only going to heal him, I'm going to forgive him of his sins. Which actually hadn't even happened, the ability to do that yet. He reached into the new covenant that wasn't even there yet. It was only a year away, maybe two. But he reached in and said, I'm going to give it to him anyway. That's what hunger does. I'm going to give you what you don't even recognize yet. I'm going to give you what you don't even know you need. You think you need healing, but what you need is forgiveness of sins. Whoa! That's what hunger does. He looked up, the ceiling's falling apart, and he says, oh man, something good about to happen. Because hunger is stirring the waters. Here's another one. In Luke, the woman pushes through And she's thinking, if I can just get the hem of his garment, if I can just get the hem of his garment. You know the crazy thing is two chapters later, it set a precedent that people were reaching out to touch his clothes. That blows my mind. That people realized if it worked for her, it'll work for me. I think we need a whole lot more of that in the church. But there's a hunger in her. She's pushing through and she's breaking all the rules. She's unclean. She's a woman. She had nothing going for her in the culture. And she takes hold of that garment and God says, whoa, what just happened? And like, who touched me? And I love Peter. Like, God, everybody's touching you. It's crowded. And he said, man, you're so dull. He said, no, someone really touched me. Something. He said, I I felt virtue flow out of me. What was going on? Hunger had moved God's heart and he didn't even move the compassion of Jesus because he didn't even know it. It moved the heart of the Father. Father's looking down like, look at that. Hunger changes the environment. Here's the third one. And this one's just been stirring around on me. The thief on the cross. The thief on the cross says, remember me. Actually, he rebukes the other thief first. He says, how dare you? Don't you know The Son of God is hanging in between us. And he says, hey Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, some people might say, oh, it was desperation. I think it was revelation. It was revelation of who Jesus was. And he says, oh, I'm hanging here with you. Will you remember me? And Jesus says, hey, today, you and me, we're going to be in paradise together. You've moved God. You're dying a thief, you're rising a son. Whoa! Man, the hunger, just that moment. He probably he could have had a million reasons like, I don't deserve it. I'm dying here as a thief. I, I don't understand redemption of sin. I don't understand anything. I'm just going to be quiet. But something of hunger rose up and says, hey, I'm going to shoot for the fence here. 
I'm going to sweep for it all. Hey, remember me when you come into the kingdom? And Jesus says, you got it. Why? Because hunger moves the heart of God. Listen, I'm telling you, hunger, we will not allow it to leave this place. Now I'm talking as the leader of this community of believers. Hunger will be one of our marks. It will, be, it will mark us. And, and if we're not hungry, we will remind you. Listen, why? Because we, we're not going to get anywhere in the kingdom without hunger. And then we're going to be thankful for when He shows up. See, because without thankfulness, you're never content. Without thankfulness, hunger becomes its own uh, dangerous situation where you're always looking for more and you never enjoy anything the Father gives you. It's like you become like a spiritual tycoon that takes over something like, got that, now next to the next thing. Like, I learned how to pray for people. Great, now I'm going to learn how to prophesy. And God's like, slow the horse. This is about me. Remember, the hunger is for Him. There's going to be people that get to heaven and He's going to say, hey, depart from me. I don't never knew you. And they cast out demons, healed the sick. I can show you videos right now of people doing those things in the Philippines without the presence of God in their lives. Whoa. And I love those things, and they're the fruit of the kingdom. But the minute they take place over being with Him, there's a problem. Why? Because in Isaiah it says He's our desire. And in Genesis 15 it says He's our reward. But I got Jimmy's attention. He's our desire and our reward. So that's who we have to be hungry for. The other things, they come with it. They're the overflow. They're just the results of. They're not the pursuit. Why am I saying that? Why? Because we're in a generation that if we're not careful, we'll make the things of the kingdom the new law. How many people did you pray for today, Clint? How many people did you prophesy over? How many people did you see get healed? Measurables determining if you're spiritual or not. Oh, it got quiet again. It's okay. Why? Because y'all know that we've been in a 10-year pursuit of stirring these things up. Listen, the church is supposed to do those, but it comes out of being with Jesus. The overflow of, not, not, because we can make it happen by teaching you and teaching you to death and doing those things, but the result of it is supposed to be overflow. Then it will carry the anointing. Then it will carry the life of God. What happens without thankfulness? We, We never enjoy anything the Father ever gives us. We just move right on. Or maybe we just have that attitude like, well, yeah, I'm his son, so he had to give me that. No, the thankfulness that comes with that, they're like, oh, God, you're so good. Man, we've been in a crazy season of like answered prayer, like people we believe for for years coming and having encounters with Jesus. And like, if you don't, but if you're not careful, You'll just move right to the next thing instead of really rejoicing and enjoying. Remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Answered prayer and experiences and encounters with God are supposed to give you joy that makes you strong. But if, we, if we're not careful, the enemy will try to always say, what's the next thing? What are you doing? And it steals from the very place of getting to enjoy the Father in that place. Why am I saying that? Why? Because they're two sides of the same coin. They're not made to be without each other. Hunger and thankfulness. What's going to get us at the table? What's going to keep us there forever? Hunger and thankfulness. All right, turn with me. Luke. 
17. I warned you, we're going to be in Luke a lot. I just keep preaching out of it, thinking he's going to let me move on. I love it. <laughs> he knows I love John so much that he's like, <laughs> Luke, here, we'll just keep him there for a little bit. Luke 17, 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked him, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one found to re- was no one found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well or whole or sozoed, totally restored. Let me suggest to you that nine got healed of leprosy. One got healed of everything. Hunger got him one place, but hunger and thankfulness established him at the table. Oh, that's a good one there. Hunger and thankfulness got this one who was against all law to even be able to associate with Jesus got him to the table. Why am I saying that? Because I want you to understand that there's many times where God comes and encounters us in our prayer, in our need, and we don't come back and thank Him so we don't get the full result of the miracle. I believe this with everything in me. The amount of thanksgiving will determine our next breakthrough. The amount of thanksgiving. So like when God shows up and we're not thankful, He's like, I wonder if they even want me there. There was a moment, I'm just going to talk about this for a minute, last week where God miraculously, I don't know what was going on, but the fire of God came in here. It sounded like 2,000 people in worship. It was like, what was going on? Because God was here. And His angels and His horses and whatever. I don't know. I didn't see them. I just know it was happening. And I just went home. I was like, God, I want to thank You for that. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll we'll get so entitled. We're like, yeah, well, we did our part and God showed up. He doesn't have to. He chooses to, and He chooses to bring us in His courts. And I want to tell you, there's a place where if we're not careful, we'll do the things of the kingdom without thankfulness, and they'll go away. And, and if you don't believe me, just look at church history. They've done church without Jesus for a lot of years. And God say, no, the key to staying fresh, the key to staying at my table, the key to being my kids is hunger and thankfulness. Isn't it interesting? The hunger piece in the story. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Sounds a lot like Bartimaeus, doesn't it, in Mark 10? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus says, well, first of all, they tell him to be quiet. Because people are always going to tell you you're too hungry. Oh, you're too loud. Stop. Calm down. Jesus is going to show up. Sometimes it's going to move the heart of God. Sometimes you're just being loud for loud's sake. Know the difference. And God's going to just say, He's like, hey, come on. And so Bartimaeus gets up, he throws down his coat, he says, here I come. Jesus says, what do you want? Interesting. He says, I want to be healed. Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. 
Why? It takes faith to both walk in hunger and in thankfulness. It takes faith for both. See, we haven't used faith much in the idea of thankfulness. Like, well, I'm just going to be thankful. No, it takes faith to have eternal gratitude. It takes faith to get into the place with God where you begin to really push in and begin to see the things He's done. It takes faith to go there. It takes faith to be hungry. It takes faith where you've got to say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm leaning into You because I have faith in You. It's so interesting. Then, you know, there's so much speculation of why the other nine not come back. It's actually a pretty good question, really. You know, and so I wrote three things down. These are Tim's. This is guessing. Actually, this is the Holy Spirit. I felt like he spoke this to me. The first one was religion. They were busy doing the formula. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say you're whole, you're healed. Such an interesting, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the, what that means is, hey, the lepers, if they were, were cleansed or did get healed up, because not everything was leprosy then, you could have acne and go out inside the camp. What a teenager's life in Israel, right? <laughs> and when it cleansed up, you had to come to the priest, and he had to examine you and call you, now you're whole. And it's interesting that Jesus told them, hey, go to the priest. And, it's, and one thing that could have stopped them from returning is like, oh, i got to do the formula. It's interesting the Samaritan had no value for the formula. So he returns right back and says, and says he's praising God and comes and Jesus is moved by his thankfulness. I think another thing that could be, though, is familiarity. If you're, if, it's clear that the other nine are Israel, Israelites. And I think that if we're not careful, we can move into a familiarity. We're like, well, if you told me to go, then this must be the cleansing ritual and, and God must be healing me and I need to go do these things. And I'm just familiar with the whole idea of Yahweh and encounter. I'm familiar with it. What's really interesting is, let me just read you a verse. I don't know if this one's up there. Romans 1, it says 21. This is talking about those people who didn't know God, who walked away from God. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. There's a place of familiarity where you can get with God that if you're not careful... You won't walk in thanksgiving about it. You'll just, oh, well, yeah, I've seen God do that before. It's really interesting. You know, growing up as a young person in the church, we used to be like, yeah, God did this. And there would always inevitably be an older person that was like, yeah, I've seen that before. Like, cool. But we hadn't, and so we're pretty excited. But also, we're grateful where you're just saying, yeah, that's old hat. What I'm saying is there's a dangerous place of familiarity with the things of God with salvation, I mean, we had someone get saved here last week. Come into the kingdom. Get all, get all loved up and told they're a son of God. Why? And if we're not careful, we'll be familiar with that and like, yeah, that happens. Heaven is rejoicing and celebrating and thankful for that person's life. And if we're not careful, we'll just be like, yeah, we've seen that before. Familiarity keeps us out of astonishment. And if we're not astonished, I'm just telling you, we're not disciples. So, last one. What might have kept them? I think pride. I just think that that entitled piece of like, yeah, we cried out. We did our part. He healed us. But he, you know, maybe he's not the Messiah. But man, the Samaritan, he didn't care. 
I'm going to see the one who healed me. And I love it when he gets there, he's on his knees. One thing about Samaritans in the Bible and the New Testament that you have to understand, they, they knew their place. It was not a right place, but they had been declared lowly. Just read. Every time they come to him, like, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't be here. Not allowed to associate you with Jesus, but I know who you are. Would you break in? I believe there's a place of, of humble spirit that positions us at the table. It positions us to be thankful. The minute we're not being thankful, just ask the Lord, am I being prideful? The minute we're not in great overflowing with thankfulness, are we thinking that our process is producing the fruit instead of God? I love the process, but I'm not in love with it. I'm not going to let it determine. I've messed up so much, and God still decided to do it. And so what am I saying if we're not careful? Pride will keep us from coming back, falling on our face before Jesus. And, saying, and I love it. it says he was praising and thanking God all the way. This was a joyous moment in his life. And some of us just need to get rid of being somber in the kingdom. Like, oh, holy. Like, it wasn't that. It was like, get out of my way. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. But then he falls down and love what Jesus says. He said, now you're whole. It took faith to be thankful. Come back and get whole. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand up. What's our takeaway from today? Hunger and thankfulness establish us at the table. They position us in a place to see more of the kingdom. They position us. I, I, I got to quote this. I think it's in, is it in Luke 7. It talks about the woman who anointed Jesus with her tears and wiped her feet with her hair. And, and, and Jesus says, she just, she's doing more than you guys because she understands more. She's been forgiven more. It's really interesting that we've used that to get all weird. Like, oh yeah, if you had a really bad background, you've got, no, that's not it. They had not received forgiveness yet in that room. They hadn't. So they couldn't do that to him because they didn't understand. They just weren't, they hadn't had the hunger yet to lead him to the thankfulness. And she already had it. She had already had the God encounter moment because of her hunger and her thankfulness was pouring out. It was overflowing. And guys, I just want to tell you this. God is looking for us to be a people who are so hungry and so thankful that they can't help but pour out more of the kingdom. The truth is she was understanding more of the kingdom than the teachers of the law. God is wanting us to be a people right now who let our hunger and thankfulness stir up. And just let me remind you, in our hunger, He's our desire and He's our reward. So I'm just going to bless you. I literally believe this. this, If we will practice this this week, we're going to see more of the kingdom than we've ever seen. Well, that's a big statement. Before we pray, I'm going to prophesy over someone. Is that good? David? Right back? Yes, sir. I've, I've been looking for you for a couple weeks. One week you were here and I missed you. The other week I forgot. That just happens. But I feel like the Lord's been showing me something about you. And He wanted me to do it publicly because it's a breakout season for you. And what I saw was, it was probably a month ago now, I saw a tree. You know when you buy a fruit tree and it has the wrapping around it? And it just it looks like a twig. But when you cut the string, it opens up into a tree. 
And I felt like the Lord's just telling me that you're in a season where I'm not pruning you, I'm cutting the strings off of you. And you literally are, I saw like, I saw like your giftings, I saw your encounters, I saw your love for God and your ability to receive love from God, like opening up. And, and he says, I've brought you into this season to do this because I, I'm crazy about who you are. And I know there's some extreme gifting in you too, but God says, that's going to come out of this cutting. It's literally going to begin to burst out of you. But the Lord says, right now I've got you in a season of growing deep too. Putting roots down. Getting in. He says, because the fruit I want to come, I want it to come from the ground, not from just the air. I think you're going to know more what that means than me even. But I know I heard that phrase. So we just bless you. Hey, Clint, would you just go back there and stand with him? I remember the first day I saw you in your car at drive-in. And the Lord said, he's hungry. He's hungry. And so we just honor your hunger right now. But we declare it's a new season. And where you've been bound up, where the enemy's tied around you, even where you've allowed other people to tie things around you to keep you to look like a twig, we just snip those cords right now. And we let you open up into the tree of life that you're called to be. We bless your gift. We bless the calling of God. We bless everything that's in your life. But we most of all bless this season. And we say, get those roots deep. Get them deep. Get them deep by the river. And thankfulness will be actually your portion. Where hunger is driving you, thankfulness is now going to be your portion. So for the rest of you, we just bless you. I just, I just cut any cords off of you right now. Where you feel held back. Where you feel like, I'm not, I don't know how to be hungry. I don't know how to be thankful. We just clip those cords off right now. We bless you in the name of Jesus. I declare your portion is at His table forever. Forever. We bless the season of this house. We declare it's fruitful and harvest. We declare the Lord is going to give us a city with all the other churches in town. He's going to give us a city. Come on, one more time. He's going to give us a city. He's going to give us a city. He's looking for a city. Because God is the Lord. So we bless you. We bless your homes. I bless your children. I bless your cars, your jobs, your houses. I bless your ideas. I feel like some of you are having God ideas. I bless your ideas. But most of all, I bless your hunger for the Lord. I say let it be deep and wild and extravagant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, would the altar team just come up to the front? If you guys are looking for an encounter or need prayer for anything, we're going to have our altar team up here. Tim and Elizabeth are going to be in the back. If you haven't met them, they would love to meet you and shake your hand. Well, guys, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and we're about to enter into the craziness of December, so we hope to see you. Have a great day.